right, good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. Happy November. Happy fallback day. Yeah, I was so proud to see everybody here on time. And then I remember, oh, we got an extra hour. <laughs> Is that not mercy? Especially when you have to preach on a Sunday. <laughs> You see the time and you're like, wait a minute, I have another hour to pray and get ready and do all this. So may that just be a reminder to us that God is constantly showing us mercy and grace even in the rhythms of life and culture. So guys, my name is Cole. I'm associate pastor here at Second City Church and Roland Fisher is the lead pastor here. And Jesus Christ is our shepherd He is our lead shepherd, and we want that to be super clear in everything that we do. Uh, Second City Church is not based on a personality. It is not based on an education level. It is not based on any kind of demographic. It's just based on Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, the life. And so we just want that to be super clear. So guys, we do also, we believe in the Word of God Jesus being the living Word of God, but then the written Word of God. And so we're going to pray first, and then we're going to dig into the Word, and we're going to share, um, and God's going to share a message, and I'm going to do my best to deliver it. So you guys pray with me for a moment? Yeah. Uh, Heavenly Father, first off, we want to say thank you for you. We want to say thank you uh, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, your most prized, your most precious, precious possession, And Jesus, we want to say thank you for willingly uh, going to the cross because you knew that we needed it, and it was love that drove you there. Uh, Lord, we uh, thank you that while we were still sinners, that you came for us. While we were still sinners, spitting in your face, being rebellious, um, that you still did it, Lord. And so we just want to say thank you for that. We want to say thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Uh, We know that there is no spiritual truth that we can understand and especially not apply unless you, Holy Spirit, till our hearts. And so, Lord, we just we open our hearts and open our hands now and we say till our hearts, prepare them so that we can take in your word, so that we can be changed and we can become more like Christ and that we would be ready for the day of your return, Jesus. So we ask that you help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. So as you know, we've been going through a series called In It, Not Of It. That's right. In It, Not Of It. Today very well may be the final uh, message in that series. We'll see. We like to give the Holy Spirit room to, to work things out based on what he's doing and, and how people are responding and everything. Uh, so we're going to continue today. And the name of the message for today hopefully this doesn't confuse you, is of it, not in it. Okay, write it down. Of it, not in it. Why? Because we've been learning all about so far what it means to be in the world, but not of the world. We've been learning this for several weeks now, and I felt like God was just pressing upon my own heart as also a follower of Jesus who was in the world that, well, if I'm not of it, what am I of? I need to have the truth of what I am a part of, my identity being solidified so that I can persevere. And so I need to know my identity. You need to know your identity. And our identity is with Christ. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how that 
plays out in our ability to endure and to persevere until Jesus returns. The scripture teaches us that we are all foreigners, strangers, exiles right now in this present world because there is another kingdom that is coming. It has been inaugurated, but it is not here yet fully. But it is on its way, and that is the kingdom of God. And that is what we're all searching for. And we need to have this. So I'm going to give you the three S's. Are you guys ready? You like the one, two, three approach? Yeah, I do. So the three S's of Christian endurance and perseverance for the follower of Christ. And the first one is we have to have sight. We have to have sight. We need to be able to see heaven as it is and the king of heaven as he is. Number two, we need to have sobriety. We need to be sober-minded so that we understand what is at stake every day. And then number three, the third S, is we need the Spirit of God as our power source to persevere. Because doing these things in our flesh with our willpower will not be enough for us to endure until Jesus returns. And we unashamedly believe in the supernatural event that Jesus is coming back. He is not a father that abandons us. No, he is coming back and he is preparing us for him. And that also is some, as, is some of what we're going to talk about. So uh, we're going to turn if, or flip whatever you got. Jeremiah 29, 1 through 15. And this is the scripture we're going to read through. And we're going to ask God to put this on our hearts. But even before we read it, I want to give you a little background from Jeremiah 28, what was going on here. So Jeremiah is a prophet who is a contemporary with Daniel, as we've been going through the book of Daniel. And we know that Daniel was one of the royal line from uh, Jerusalem that went into exile into Babylon because of the sin and the rebellion of the Israelites for many, 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 many years. God said, oh, I'm not going to leave you guys in the promised land. I'm going I'm to take you out. And he did it. He fulfilled his word. And so Daniel was over there with Radshach, Meshach, Abednego, and many other exiles. And they were not able to worship God freely because they were in a new system. They had a new king. And um, so what would happen was there were still people who were left in Jerusalem that did not actually get taken into Babylon. Now they were still under the wrath of God. They were still in despair, hopeless, more afraid than they had ever been in their life. And so God had sent prophets to encourage his people. But there are also a thing called false prophets. And so Jeremiah 28 talks about false prophets. And these are the people who will preach peace and security when there is no peace and security. Guys, there is no good news without first bad news. And the bad news is, is that we, we are sinners and we are in the hands of a loving yet just God. He is fully loving. He is fully just. He is fully merciful. He is fully compassionate. He is fully all of these things. And when he says that justice must come, it, it must come. So in Jeremiah 28, what was happening, there was another prophet um, that was saying, Hey guys, I want you to be encouraged. In two years, count them, in two years, 
God's going to bring back everybody from exile. He's going to bring back the uh, items that were taken out of the temple where we worship God. And we're going to be able to start worshiping God freely again. And Jeremiah hears this. And Jeremiah says, amen, so be it. I, I want that to happen. I'm praying for us to be redeemed and brought back and to have this fresh start. But then he says, the way we'll know if what you're saying is true is when it actually happens. And so then he takes uh, this prophet off to the side alone, and he, he tells him, hey, I want you to know the Lord says that because you're prophesying lies, because that's not going to happen, that timing is not right, you are misleading these people, and you're going to die this year. So guess what happened to that prophet? He died. He died. He was preaching something that was good, but it wasn't, I mean, it seemed good, but it was not correct. It was not true because God had a time frame that he was trying to get things done and to accomplish. Now, okay, so how does that relate to us right now? We're not necessarily in Babylon. We're in Chicago, right? But we are in the system of the world. Heaven is not here yet. And there are all kinds of preachers and teachers out there that are telling us, like, it's all good. You can live your best life now. And they don't mean the Christ-like life. What they're talking about is you can have everything your heart desires right now. Well, I'm here to tell you that is going to happen when Jesus comes back, okay? It happens now in, in, um, uh, in measure, like, sometimes he does break in. Sometimes he does heal people. But you know what's going to happen? We're going to get resurrection bodies one day, guys, and the full glory of the children of God is going to be released into the earth. And that is our hope, that Jesus has paid the price of our sin, and there's going to be a full redemption one day. Full redemption. But God wants us to know that there is a time that he's going to do that, and we don't need to worry about the actual numbers of the days, the years, and the months, because if we are worried about that, we are never going to be able to endure right now. We will not have the hope that we need. Why? Because three years from now, when whatever you were expecting to happen doesn't happen, what's, what's going to happen in your heart? You're going to get discouraged. You're going to start to point fingers at God. You're going to forget about the cross, which is the ultimate symbol of God's love for us. And that's all we have to look at in order to remember God's love and his care and his promises being fulfilled. So what I feel like the Lord wants us as a church to take away from this today, if you don't get anything else that we talk about, he wants us to understand that in this season, after we are born again, our spirits are in heavenly places now with Christ Jesus because the Holy Spirit has taken us there because our sins have been forgiven. We're no longer separated from God. We still have a soul, a mind, will, emotions, and we still have a body. And those things are in the process of sanctification. There will be trials. There will be tribulations. There will be persecutions. But that doesn't mean that God is not on his throne. That means that Christ is being formed in us. And he says, do not lose hope. Do not despair. Endure until the end so that you may be fully saved and experience the full redemption of your body, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. Amen? Amen. Okay, now we'll read the scripture. <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 1 through 15. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests 
the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So right there in that first verse, it was for not just a certain uh, section of the people. It was for all the people of God. Okay, so this is for all of us. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of, of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hikiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, so this is what the letter said. This is Jeremiah trying to correct all of the, the, the false hope that had been sent out so that people would be able to endure. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Um, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, through all the exiles whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. Sounds like multi-generational. It may take a while, okay? In marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to prosper even in the midst of the exile until we're fully brought back. But seek, verse 7, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, When seventy years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. And I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. So stop there. Who does it? It's God. He says, I have you there. This is my plan. This is my will. This is forming something in you that you don't even realize. Christ is being formed in you as you're learning to be prosperous even in a land of adversity. Okay? And it says that he's the one who will bring us back. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I'll fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, people in exile, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you in to exile. So guys, why are we reading the Old Testament about today once again? Our spirits are not in exile. We were morally separated from God, but because of Jesus, that moral separation has been taken care of. He has prayed, paid the price for our sins, and we're no longer in exile, but our bodies, our minds, our emotions, we are still being worked out. We are still getting ready for that day 
So let's talk about the three S's of what do we do in this process now of sanctification? What does it look like to build these houses, to plant these gardens? What does it look like to pray for the welfare of the city? Which, by the way, that word welfare is shalom. It is the peace and the prosperity of God. It is not wrong even while you are still in the process of sanctification and you don't have it all together yet, but you're standing on Jesus to expect God to do good things for you, but not holding a, a noose around his neck and saying, if you don't do this, I'm not going to trust you. We cannot have that attitude because we have to release ourselves. We have to carry the cross that God has given us in order to uh, have Christ formed in us. So number one thing we need is we got to have sight. we got to have vision. Do you know what heaven looks like? Do you even know when you're praying? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you have a vision of what heaven looks like? So I'm going to give you a small glimpse, but you need to go study the word of God and what that kingdom is going to look like. But it's called the Gospels. <laughs> when you see Jesus, he's the king of heaven, all authority, everything, talks to the winds, talks to the waves, and he tells them to stop and they stop, right? He talks to demons, and they flee. He talks to diseases, and people were healed. So what does the kingdom of God look like? The number one thing we need to know when we're praying is that everything is in submission to the king. Everything is in submission to Jesus. So when we are praying for that sight to see correctly so that we don't lose hope, we need to defer all of our prayers to the king and his will. Our Father who art in heaven, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the prayer that supersedes all of the other ones that are to follow. All the rest of them, yes, we pray for them and we expect God because of his character to do them, but we cannot put God on the, um, we cannot put him on the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, what's it called? Sorry. We're not judging him, is what I'm trying to say. We are not defining good. If you don't do this the way that I want it done in the time that I feel like it should be done, if the deliverance and the healing does not come at this point, then you're not good, God. We cannot have that mentality. And I challenge you, because even as a pastor, it still runs through my subconscious. If I, as I talk about it now, I'm like, man, I'm still dealing with this. I am still putting God in that place, and sometimes I just don't realize it. So um, submit that to God. And then I want to talk about the parable of the sower. We need to have the proper sight of what we can expect as well as far as prosperity and persecutions and whatnot. There is a honeymoon period when you come to Christ, Right? If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. No wrong can be done. Every little bit of toothpaste that's left laying out around is so cute because, oh, I'm finally living with my spouse. This is great. I love that toothpaste. You hit your head on the cabinet door that was left open. Oh, at least somebody's living here with me. This is wonderful. But you get a couple months into it, and it's like, shut the cabinet door, please. <laughs> when I walk through the house at night and I hit my head, it's not funny anymore. You see how our attitudes change because we begin to become familiar and we begin to hold the very ones that we have dedicated our lives to and that we trust when they mess with contempt? The ones that we love the most is the very one that can hurt us the most and that can tear us down and build us up. Okay, so Mark chapter 4, verse 13. 
And this is Jesus talking. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? And this is the parable of the sower. How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So some people hear the gospel. It doesn't take root at all. They don't even begin. They don't even have a chance to endure because they just don't believe it. It just bounces off their heart. Okay. And those are the ones sown. Yeah. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. Yes, Jesus. Thank you. I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a savior. Thank you. I receive your gift of forgiveness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to follow you all my life. Verse 17, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, so there's something about the word of God, when you actually live by it, it attracts persecution, it attracts tribulation, because it is a light in the darkness, and people that are comfortable in the dark do not like to be in the light unless God is calling them into the light. When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Guys, this is not God's will for you. He does not want you to immediately fall away. He wants you to put down roots. If you are not going through the purple book, which is just a foundational Bible study we have about the foundational truths of the faith, go through it. I don't care if you're at Moody, you should still go through it (laughs) because it's, you know, it's foundational, right? Um, if you, yeah, you just got to get those foundations built, guys. And number, uh, excuse me, verse 18, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil, just like Wes was talking about during worship, But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So guys, that is God's will for you. But he does not want you to be unaware of the enemy's schemes either. He wants you to have the sight, the viewpoint of heaven, so that you can see the enemy's schemes trying to discourage you and put God on the, um, uh, to, to judge God in his timing. Okay, so... Another verse that is very great for, uh, for sight, Mark 10, verse 29. Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. This is Jesus speaking Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Whatever we give up now, this is the proper sight in order to follow Jesus. It is true that he will give us an abundance of it back. But he adds this one little phrase, with persecutions. You need to expect both of those things to come. This is the holy tension of living as a follower of Jesus. Expecting him to prosper you on the inside, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, right? You grow fruit when the Holy Spirit lives in you. Love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, long-suffering, all self-discipline, all these things. We need to expect that to happen. And we can also expect God to give us more family members 
than we ever had before if it costs us relationships in order to follow Jesus. He will do it, but there will be persecutions, okay? Don't be unaware. Don't be blind about that. Luke 21, 34. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. Be aware of it. Watch yourselves. With dissipation and drunkenness, we live in Chicago, there's a lot of bars. I'm just, I'm just being serious, guys. I walk down the street, and there are plenty of places for me to go bankrupt at drinking alcohol if I want to, right down the street. So when you're having a bad day, that's just what people do. They do that. Um, with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. What day is he talking about? He's talking about when Jesus comes back. He's expecting to find a people that are awake, that are ready for his return, that have been walking with him, and to however much time he sovereignly has given you to walk with him and be sanctified, he expects to find a corresponding fruit, amount of fruit to go with that. Okay? Now, don't be freaked out if you just came to know Jesus, and if he comes back tomorrow, you're like, I don't have much fruit. Ah, I'm a newborn. That's okay. Remember Jesus on the cross, right beside him, right? One of the people that were there, a criminal, he said, you know, remember me today in paradise. And Jesus was like, I will. So that man was saved because of faith in Jesus. But he did not have a chance to endure anything because he was already nailed to a cross. He didn't have a chance to produce. So we have mercy with ourselves, and we have mercy with those around us based on where they're at. Okay. He says, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Proper vision. It's going to be, that day is for everybody. Christianity is not some exclusive worldview for a demographic or a subset of people. This is a worldview for all the world, for all times, for all people, everywhere. So when we're looking at people and ourselves, we want, to, we want to see them like, oh no, is this person ready? Does this person even know that there's going to be a judgment day? We need to have that, that viewpoint. He says, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Proper sight, what to expect. It will take prayer to stand before the Son of Man. We will not accomplish this through a lot of works, through willpower. It will take a supernatural um, help to do this. Okay, you guys ready to move on from sight to sobriety? All right, feedback, yay. Okay, so sobriety. What does it mean to be sober? I learned a word when I was at our church in North Carolina from one of the pastors down there called gravitas. You ever heard that word, gravitas? It sounds a lot like gravity, right? Right, it means you're grounded. You're not flying in the air with uh, uh, false notions or fantasies of what the world is really like. No, you have a firm grasp and understanding of what is really happening around you. I would even say it's very similar to discernment. You are discerning. You see what's happening. You're not easily swayed to and fro. So we have to have sobriety. Um, 1 Peter 5.8. Love this one. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Why? Because you get eaten by a lion. 
Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion that just got out of Lincoln Park Zoo around the corner, by the way, people, asking someone to devour. Guys, this became real to me the other night. Can I sidetrack and tell you a, a funny story real quick? Okay, third largest city in the nation, Chicago. It's night, like 10 p.m. I don't have a parking spot, so I have to park like half a mile from my house a lot of times, right? And if there's nobody around, I'm walking, it's dark, and I hear, roar! You were talking about, like, that is totally out of context and out of place. To be in the middle of the city and hear a lion roaring, and it's not digital, it's a real lion. Guys, I just say that to remind you, like, he's like, the, the devil is going to, like, pop up at the most opportune time, right? You need to be sober. You don't need to be drunk on the, the pleasures of this life that are going to fade and that are not going to produce fruit. You need to be sober so that you can know what he is doing. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 10. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. Okay, bye, we're done. No, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware, so this is an expectation, are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. We've got to be sober all the time, not just on weekdays when you're working. I know. I know people are like, it's the weekend. I can, you know, go out with my, my guys and have fun and, you know, it's okay. I can sleep in the next day. I don't have any responsibilities. You do have responsibility to the Lord. While people are saying this peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. You, have, you guys, you don't have to be surprised by it. For you are children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you were doing. Guys, you don't have to be afraid to be in the light. You don't have to be afraid to be sober. You can handle life's problems because you have God. You don't, you don't need the drunkenness. You don't need the alcohol. You don't, you don't need all of these. I, I just say medications, and I'm not talking about just drugs. I'm talking about all the things that we medicate with. You have the king of heaven who is on a throne of grace, and he is just looking for somebody to ask for it. He's just, he's, he's just looking for, for faith. The eyes of the Lord look uh, back and forth all over the earth, just looking for somebody, looking for somebody to pour out his grace on do you want to be that person? I do. I don't want to turn to those things. I want to be sober. And then, as you guys know, one day we are going to appoint elders and deacons in the church. Woo! God is doing something great, right? He's building a people. This is awesome. Well, guys, I want you to hear this right here. 
Um, 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with dignity and keeping his children um, submissive. For if, if, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the household of God? Verse 13, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So this, th- th- these systems that God has put in place, these uh, leadership structures, you know, elders, deacons, bishops, however you want to look at it, this is all for the building up of the church so that God receives glory, and is it, a, it is a safeguard. So if you aspire to be somebody that endures and you want a great confidence in your faith, this is a checklist you should be asking God to develop in your life. Okay, Not because you want to rule over people, because that is just the opposite of what deacons and elders do. They are servants. Okay, But if you want to have a confidence and make sure that you're sober, this is a good kind of checklist to pray through and say, God, do I, are these things being developed in me? And ask him to do that for you. Okay. So, we're going to move on to the third one, the most important one, the Spirit. We must stay in step with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. He was given to you if you've become a follower of Jesus, you've repented of your sin. On your conversion, there was a deposit that was put into you. Now, just like when you go to make a deposit into a bank account, Hopefully you picked one that draws interest, that gets you interest. You put it in there, and if you leave it there for a certain amount of time, what do you expect to have when you come back? A profit, right? You expect, there to, you expect it to be larger than it was when you first put it in. So if you want to endure, you're going to constantly need to be growing, okay? Uh, as it, you guys have heard, I guess, of the Dead Sea, in Israel, yeah. So I had the opportunity to go there. I'm super thankful. My grandparents took me there. Okay, the Dead Sea. If if my geolo- uh, geography reminds me correctly, is like the lowest point or one of the lowest points on Earth below sea level. Okay, it only has an inlet. It does not have an outlet. That's why it has all these minerals that are built up in it, and you can almost almost walk on water. It's pretty it's pretty weird when you're in there. It's so thick. But you know what? Even though it has all these great properties about it, like people love the minerals to put on their skin for healing and moisture and everything, do you know there's nothing alive in the Dead Sea? It's stagnant. It has no flow to it. It just consumes, consumes, consumes. It only has an inlet. You've got to walk with the Spirit if you want to honor your Savior who went to the cross for you and is coming back. You need to walk with Him. Yes, I'm so glad if you've repented of your sin and he's come and taken up residence in you. But don't you want to walk with him? Why, do you, why would you be content with that? He wants you to walk with him and be fresh with him. Zechariah 4, 6 through 7. Love this, guys. Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. 
Who are you, O great mountain? Don't you guys want to talk confidently like that to the mountains in your life? Who are you, O great mountain? Right? We should do a meme of that. Who are you, O great mountain? And like, you know, somebody like, you know, doing like that. Uh, Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forward the top stone or the capstone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. Grace is synonymous with power. It's with strength. And so if we want to finish, if we want to put the capstone on this life that God has given us, you know, we don't know how much time we have. He's sovereign over that. But if you're constantly walking with the Spirit and by the Spirit's power, you can be sure that grace is going to be constantly released into your life. And you're going to be able to put that capstone on. All right, guys. Lastly, Galatians 5, 16 through 25. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's encouraging, right? For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. You ever feel that internal war, that struggle? Romans 8 talks about, like, that's because our spirits are now seated in heaven with Christ Jesus, right? And he's coming back to redeem our bodies, our souls, our mind, our will, emotions. And so the Spirit and the flesh are always fighting it out. And let me encourage you, if you feel the fight, that is good. If you're bleeding, it means you're alive. If, if you're not bleeding, that means there's no more blood left. What's the consequence? It's okay to get cut in the fight, too. It is okay to have that fight going on. Um, they, are, they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And this actually goes back to vision, right? To the sight, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Don't let the enemy use something that is good like the law to put you down. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a sobering statement. But the fruit of the Spirit, I love how plain it is, guys. He just gave us a list, and here's the next one. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So there's a battle that's going on. The Spirit ultimately, whether you relinquish to the Holy Spirit or not, is going to win. Meaning, these bodies, they're going to fade one day. They're all going to go on the ground. From dust we were made, and from dust, you know, we're going to return, right? We're getting resurrected body those, though for those who are in Christ. But this will fade. So why not let the Holy Spirit use it to do a redemptive work in the earth while you have it, right? And then I don't know a ton about Jim Elliott. A lot of you guys probably know about him, a missionary uh, back in the 50s, the 1950s. But he gave his life to go reach an unreached people group that did not have the gospel. Super famous quote, you've probably heard it tons of times, but I love it. Jim Elliot said, He is not a fool 
who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Guys, if it costs you your reputation, if it costs you even, you know, your, your pleasures, whatever it costs you to follow Jesus and to walk by the Spirit, isn't it worth it? One's going to bring you so much peace. And your Heavenly Father is going to be so pleased. You can be right with God, and He's still not, you know, and still not be in like a uh, very intimate relationship because, you know, it's like, oh, I'm just kind of getting by, you know, because we hide from God. But if you want to make sure, just walk with the Spirit. And so last, lastly, guys, if you're here uh, this morning, unashamedly, we've talked about it all day, Christ, community, culture. I want to give you an invitation to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. To let go of the old life. To give up what you can't keep anyway in order to gain what you can't earn. It's a free gift. And then, also, for those of you, including me, that have been walking with Jesus, but you definitely aren't where you want to be. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to say God will give us the sight that we need. That God will give us the sobriety that we need. And that the Holy Spirit would overcome us. That we would produce fruit while enduring until Jesus returns. All right? So let's pray. Yeah. Um, our Heavenly Father, thank you for making a way where there was no way. We were kicked out of the garden. Um, we're kicked out of your presence. But you always said in love that you were making a way, and you have done it. You have come as a man named Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, lived a perfect, sinless life, went to the cross, died for our sins in our place. You took our punishment upon you. And then, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead three days later, proving that your sacrifice was acceptable because your life was acceptable. And you said that all those who trust in you, and not in themselves, or anything else, but trust in you alone for salvation, and confess you as Lord, and repent of their sins, turning around from the old life, and beginning to walk with you and your spirit, that they would be saved. Father, I pray right now that you would impart that truth to those who've never heard it before, or maybe never heard it like that. And Lord, that you would give them the deposit of the Holy Spirit. Um, and Lord, for those uh, like me that have been walking with you a couple of years, but we don't know when you're coming back. Uh, we know you are. Um, but Lord, we just we want to be so much more fruitful, God. God, open our eyes. Let us see what is happening around us. Let us see the schemes of the enemy. Let us see our deficiencies, Lord. Surround us with men and women of God who love us enough to be the iron that sharpens iron, Lord, that are the side view mirrors that let us see what's going on in areas that we can't see, Lord. Surround us with people who love us enough to, to be like that, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to, that you would um, just unravel our tightly clenched fist from the things that we think are so important that really you're trying to get us to let go of so that you can put something of eternal importance in there, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.